Good evening, everyone, and welcome to this Wednesday evening Dharma talk. And the title of this talk is based on a suggestion by one of my favorite monks, Kozan, who's right in the center of the screen there. No, that's that's Gene Doe, not not him. <laughs> so the title is motivation, 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 motivation. Something we all discuss, talk about, search for, try to find different ways of motivating ourselves to get things done that we want to accomplish, and so on. So. Thought I would speak a little bit about that since that's something I've dealt with and I'm sure we all do in different ways. So to try to get something done, something accomplished. And in our situation, it's motivation to practice, motivation to do something that doesn't really always, if at all, show any kind of immediate results. Sitting practice of meditation, as it's taught here, shikantaza, or just precisely this probably the most radical or simple or minimalist form of meditation. I think maybe there's something else I don't know about. But there are also much more involved, complicated forms of meditation that to some people might be easier, to some people might be even more difficult. Uh, shine and Laktang, or calm abiding and panoramic awareness, Vipassana, Shamatha Vipassana is another word for that. So different ways of working with it. And those ways, uh, some of you know, it can be just following the breath or His Holiness the 17th Karmapa actually has his students count their breaths, 10 out breaths, 10 in breaths, one, one, two, two. So it's a very tight kind of controlled meditation to help you be what better meditator. More mindful. That may be what you need to do or want to do. So, uh, not here to discuss the relative values of different kinds of meditation. But how do we get ourselves to the cushion, to the chair, to the to the altar, to the shrine room, to the meditation hall, to the zendo? How do we get there? How do we get to, even though it's just right there in our bedroom over in the corner is a table, maybe our altar or shrine or whatever you call it. And maybe we just walk right by it every morning, or walk right by it every evening. We might even bow to acknowledge it's there or not. How do we get ourselves to that so that we can get some practice when we have a job, we have some children, we have all kinds of other activities going on that need to be done. So I'm happy to respond to some questions on that. But first, I'd like to say a couple of things that have helped me. And I feel that it is probably different with everyone how to do this. But one thing is I just write myself a note. Uh, many years ago, I would say I meditate from 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. <laughs> I didn't have a monastery then. I had a but I did have an altar shrine, actually, I called it then. And I would put that on my mirror where I got up in the morning to shave or brush my teeth. And I would make it a direct statement. And uh, did that work? No, <laughs> it didn't work. 
but it, it put me in a situation where I had a better understanding of what the obstacles were to that because I was endeavoring to use this particular way of doing it. And then it w I would see that I couldn't quite, still couldn't quite get that going. Another form that I began, and these, these are, I, I feel that it's quite important to have some kind of a form that is uh, consistent so that you set it up, whether, whether you uh, obey it, that's, that's a different kind of situation about obeying, but it's about observing forms, not about obeying. If you think it's about obeying or right and wrong, then that will hook you uh, in a way that you, you can't really find out what actual motivation is, which is return to your original inspiration to even train your mind in the first place. One of the ways is to uh, recite the vow, refuge in the Buddha, take refuge in the Dharma, I take refuge in the Sangha. So I'm moving away from my, uh, my attraction to my conditioning in the relative world of making money, doing whatever, any number of things, getting to your job and so on, which are necessary unless you're living in a, on top of a mountain somewhere. And so finding some kind of a form that will help remind you of that, not, excuse me, something to obey. I used to also, when I would have, I was having difficulty in the, in the 1980s with uh, what commonly is called depression. Uh, I don't think it was, I think I might have called it that at the time, but I also knew that by labeling it, even back then I knew that by labeling it, I was, not, I was, putting a door in front of it so I couldn't even see what it was because I had a label so I knew what it was. But I, so it stopped me from seeing the fundamental nature of that. But what helped me is to recite uh, the, four, uh, uh, the four reminders that turn the mind towards the Dharma. First contemplate the preciousness of being free and well-favored, difficult to gain, easy to lose. Now I must do something meaningful. It was very helpful. Just the first one. The other three are helpful also. But that first one, and I would slow, I would, as soon as I woke up, my eyes might be closed. If they opened, I would close them and I would contemplate that. Not so much to think I need to get out of bed and go sit, but I would try to return to the original inspiration to even do such a thing as train my mind in the first place. And this is something that the Vidyadara Trungpa Rinpoche would say to people who had lost their, their uh, motivation. They, they were just return to your original inspiration to even do such a thing. It's probably there. Just uh, he even said that to people who are having diff difficulties with marriages or relationship. Return to the original inspiration. What what what's that? What's the chemical chemicals chemistry or frequency that caused that to show up? And I would return to uh, uh, Trungpa because he was my I couldn't have done anything without being having a powerful connection with him as the teacher. It was pretty overwhelming. And I'm not saying you need to do that for your teacher, whomever that may be. But if you, if you don't have a strong connection with your teacher, you might want to look around for another teacher. And am I trying to get rid of you? No. I don't even have you. I'll let to get rid of you. Find a way to do this. <clears throat> so as I've said before, and I'll say again, it's not because I need you to admire me or worship me or some kind of guru 
obeisance. No, but you might need to find something that you can connect with that you can, shall we say it this way, trust. In other words, you don't think you're going to be betrayed by this uh, person, individual, or situation. And, excuse me, tune into that energy. If it's, if it's there, if it's available to you, if, you have, if you're able to receive that, and tune into that situation of the, the teacher of the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha. Of course, living teacher is just that. There's someone who, are, who is endeavoring to present their understanding, which may be shallow, medium, or deep, of the Buddha's Dharma. And so, return to that. It, it, and it, if you can't, then maybe, maybe some other kind of structure would help you. I think the, the combination of my, my connection with my teacher, with the Vidyadara, and also with this uh, Four Reminders, first contemplate the preciousness of being free and well-favored. Here we are, we're alive. No, maybe we don't feel so alive, but we're here, hearts beating so far, able to move around somewhat, not in too much pain, perhaps. We're free to be, actually be here in a room, walking down the street, feeding our dog, going to work, taking care of our family. That's not always been the case for those in, in the 1930s in Russia who were starved to death by Stalin because he liked power and he didn't care who he hurt or he specifically wanted to hurt. It would have been a very uh, difficult to practice anything there, Buddhism or any kind of spiritual path. Millions of people died there. I'm not only, only bringing that up because it's happening everywhere. It's happening now. You are free and you are well favored. You're here. You're able to practice. Return to that. Not motivation. Look where you're at. Look at how, inc how incredible it is that you can walk out of the building and walk to your car and not be too concerned about being mugged. And if you're a woman, even that situation is pretty bad because you can't really be sure anywhere if you're walking, a woman walking alone, if they're going to make it to their car. You all know what I'm talking about. But we can't do anything about that particularly. I'm not saying that politically it couldn't be addressed, maybe. But without fundamental mind training, mind, M-I-N-D, mind training, the, the, the misunderstanding or the conceptions or beliefs that you have in your mind stream, in your, excuse me, in your seventh consciousness, in your eighth consciousness, or however you want to elaborate on that, without that being examined, then there's a good chance you will, you will see what you haven't examined out in the world and you will go to war with what is out in the world. Uh, because you don't realize that it's your projection. Not that it's something isn't there to be projected on, of course, but if you actually see the conditionality in the world that is happening there, you might see that, might see more deeply into that, that what is happening there is that person who is vengeful, aggressive, mean, cruel, or whatever it is, that's the, how they cover up their fear. They don't know they're afraid. People who know they're afraid usually don't act like that. They're just afraid. But people who act mean, act mean and cruel are afraid of death.
And that comes without warning. So coming back to motivation, you might have to dwell on some of those difficult things. Say, I'm here, uh, comparatively speaking, I'm here. I have food, I have a place to sleep, I have a place to practice. And in our situation, I have a community or a spiritual community whose main, depending on the, the person who's so-called leader, main interest and focus is to train your mind. What are we training our mind to do? To see clearly ourselves. This is not something to believe in. I don't believe any of this. And I don't recommend that you get tangled up in that kind of situation either. But we need some kind of a support to bring us, to remind us of this incredible 2,500-year-old lineage of human beings that warm hand to warm hand, as it has been said, have brought this teaching forward into this present time and place. It's rare, pretty rare. But here we are, motivation. How do we continue to do this? Well, pragmatically, you can just set up structures and forms, set up some, some, some reminders, make, make them up yourself. Uh, if you don't have a monastery that will remind you, if you don't show up for your, the forum in the morning because you had agreed to be here, you know what he's making is not a prison. You can leave any time, as you all know. But if you're living here, then you're going to practice every day, unless you have a job or unless you're sick. So that, therefore, the people who live here get in a lot more practice than people who live elsewhere. So that, in some sense, because you want that support, you want to do this, you want to train your mind, you're interested in the Buddha's Dharma, you want to know what the Four Noble Truths, Eightfold Path, the Twelve Links, and the Chain of Existence, the Six Realms, the Three Realms, and on and on and on, the Ten Bhumis, the Five Paths, and so on. I could go on and on about things I don't even understand. I don't remember much. But I see what this is, and this is what I teach out of. If those things show up in my mind stream, I might mention them. The motivation idea seems to be work a little bit differently uh, with different people in different ways. And another thing I would say is set up a form. It takes no work at all. There's a form. Set up a form at 8 o'clock every by yourself, 8 o'clock every morning, or maybe at 5 o'clock every morning. Set up a form. 5 to 6, I'm going to meditate, or 5 to 6.30, or 5 to 7, How, whatever you can do, even, even 10 minutes, 5 minutes, set up a form so that you're, so you're not always depending on your feeling about, I need to be more motivated, and so that the next day you think, I need to be more motivated. See the circularity in that? How can I get more motivation? I'm telling you. And listen, you can consider it. Set up a form. Form starts at five o'clock. And then sit down, hold still, observe the mind, observe what moves, the mind stream. Possibly you you might start out with refuge in the the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha. You might do prostrations, you might not. You might just bow. You might offer incense, you might not. 
you know, there's all kinds of offering situations that are about giving, not only giving uh, uh, flowers or water or incense or, or, or prostrations, uh, but also giving your attention to that. Pay attention to this. So those forms are not some kind of holy, sacred stuff. Bowing to the Buddha isn't, not actually bowing to the Buddha. There is no particular Buddha outside of your own mind stream. If you think there is, then maybe I'm wrong. Perhaps I'm wrong about that. And then two hours later, you get up. And that means, even if you didn't maintain that time, you should maintain the form. In other words, observe the form. Set it up five to seven. Even if you get up in 10 minutes and go and wander off somewhere else or go make breakfast, you know, you don't want to habituate, you don't want to do, don't want to do that habitually, but you might, it might be a situation where you just don't want to sit anymore. Pay attention to your body-mind complex rather than force it to do this or that or the other. This is what separates body from mind. So we take the mind and try to control the body. Have you noticed? Anybody notice that? You take the mind and try to make the mind control the body. We don't even have say so about the mind. What's this all about? The mind controlling the body. Yoga aside. Any yoga teachers here? Oh. So, and, and not against yoga either. I'm not saying, I'm just saying that be be very respectful of what's happening with the body rather than attribute, oh, I'm just lazy or my body hurts, but I need to do this anyway. Takes a while. So you sit down, you might stay there for 10 minutes. You might stay there the whole two hours. One day you might stay there for 10 minutes and maybe come back. You should probably come back at the end. You just set up the form. Five to seven, come back at seven, sit back down, end the form, get back up, go to work, go for a run in the park or whatever, go mow the lawn, clean out the shed, what a mess you got in that shed, <laughs> clean out that shed, or get one of your friends to do it, that's what I do, <laughs> my friends are called monks, <laughs> so Motivation, coming back to the something you want to do and you don't have the motivation to do it, then you you could look at the original inspiration to even get involved in something that you're trying to accomplish. You could take a closer look at that. If it's a sitting practice of meditation, if it's studying the Dharma, if it's getting to a, a, a Dharma book study, which we have, what, a dozen of those. So there's plenty of room to study the Dharma with the Sangha. And... I think just about all of them, I come at the end of every single one of those. So I'm highly motivated to help you do this. We've set it up as strongly as we can. So if you use this particular structure, you probably get a lot of, get a lot accomplished of, uh, as far as Buddha Dharma. Other, other motivation about other things might have to show up in different ways. But even in other motivation in other directions also can have set up some kind of a reminder and some kind of form where you're going to look at that situation, set aside some time, schedule it. Who likes schedules? Nobody likes it. 
where they seem to be necessary if we're going to get those three things that I talk about all the time. Communication. Cooperation. Collaboration. Those three. And the last one is community. But, or maybe it's the first one. And then the other one that I think is is what we do when, uh, not that everyone has to receive vows, but this is, what, this is what the vows are about, to set an intention. I'm going to set an intention to put everyone else before myself. Who wants to do that? What's the inspiration to do that? Might come from the teacher, might come from the Sangha, might come from some aspect of the teaching, some particular sutra or some teaching that you've understood or read or has been inspiring to you. That's another way is go back and read that. Read that, read it over and over and over again. It could be a, could be any, any number of, of sutras or texts or, or, or single line uh, statements that are made. Um, uh, Dogen Zenji is full of those. So is, um, so is uh, Vasubandhu and uh, Nagarjuna, let alone the Buddha. So any questions about motivation? That would be good, especially from uh, Tiger Mountain. Kozan. Kozan Bauer. What's the difference between a motivation and desire? So, well, simply put, I'm not telling you anything you probably don't already know. Maybe I don't understand the, the question, but it's, uh, you know, you want something. And then the motivation is you, you have uh, some kind of situation that you want to accomplish, but there may not be the grasping situation behind it that there is with desire. But there's some kind of a higher intention, a higher intention, a higher aspiration to to understand your, your mind and the mind of others and what this world is more deeply, which can show up as a desire, the desire to save all beings, but it, it doesn't function in the same way as the craving desire or the greedy desire to accomplish or get ahead or show everybody up or surprise everybody with your prowess. The desire is just a free floating, I want that, or generally speaking. And then the uh, motivation or the intention is to, is to aspire to accomplish or do something and then to set some kind of a structure or form and tension around it so that, it, so that you get it constantly reminded of that. More? Did I miss what you were asking about? Oftentimes you say return to your original inspiration or your motivation. Probably to think about that, going back, it could be lots of different things. What if you can't, what if you don't know what your original motivation is, or you don't know what the inspiration is? Well, what do you know? I don't know. Well, then you're a deep doo-doo. <laughs> you don't even know even what you're, you don't even know the, why even use the word motivation? Why not call it Motorola? I mean, you have to know something about it. You have to know, you have to know something. What, what is it? What brought up the, the, 
the suggestion or the recommendation for this uh, when I had an interview with you earlier, you said, you said you have an idea for a Dharma talk. I don't know what to talk about. You said motivation. So what, what was that about? Well, working in uh, a full-time job now away from people that are practicing, seeing how just interpersonally, you know, we're all crazy. And then seeing it just exaggerated on the world scene, you say it happens over and over in the Peloponnesian War, but it seems dire. It just uh, it is dire. It is dire. It's been dire forever. It's been dire since the Buddha. It was dire in the time of the Buddha. There have been just wars and wars and wars and fighting and killing and torturing and enslavement everywhere. We don't don't need to read too much history to see that. These days, there's even more specific history. I can list uh, half a dozen books that talk about things that have happened in the last hundred years that are horrible. And these are perpetrated by people who are crazy and want power over everyone. Even there are even forms of Buddhism where they're trying to get power over everybody. It's very distasteful to have one school of Buddhism saying they're right and everybody else is uh, mistaken. In some cases, even try to take over their monasteries. This has happened in ancient Tibet. Maybe some of you know about that. There's no way you can know about it by being there because it's too long ago, but people write about that. So in our situation here, look at what you do have a say-so about. You do this body-mind complex we call human being. In your case, Kozan, um, get, get to the wall. Get back to the Dharma, return to the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha. You have a teacher, return to the teacher. Not just, you know, give me a text at three in the morning. I don't mean that. I'm just saying, return to that. Return to that. However, however, whatever works for you. What worked for me is I would continually return to a photograph, which we have in the last hundred years. We have photographs. I would return to that and, and I would talk to him pretty much. You know, I couldn't talk to him in person only a few times. So return to the Buddha, the Dharma and Sangha, and also the image of the Buddha. Anything to remind you of this incredible 2,500-year-old path that is just full of uh, wisdom teachings. Return to that. And any of you who are here are already have a connection with this. And maybe, maybe you have your uh, issues uh, with motivation also. I think the vow to be with all things is powerful if you return to that vow. If you formally receive the vow of the Bodhisattva vow or or it's in, you just understand it and it's informal, you haven't actually received that formally. Still, still works if you understand what it is and if you return to it. The vow to be with all things. And I take refuge in the, the Buddha as someone who is not saint and not uh, crazy. And I re return to the teaching, which is the truth about the nature of what this is, dependently arisen. You contemplate that statement right there for the rest of your life. If you understand dependent origination deeply, not just conceptually, but you see it, you see it everywhere you look, you see that. Uh, you're not separate from the Buddha. Take my word for it, which you probably wouldn't anyway. How do I know that? I don't know it in the conventional sense. I don't know it as knowledge. I see it. 
I see it all the time, everywhere, and I've been seeing it for quite a number of years. That's why I'm able to even do such a thing as sit up here and presume to talk to you about anything that someone told me an hour ago what the topic was. I know it's kind of a crappy talk, but doing the best I can. Come up with a better talk next time. Goes on. Your question? Were you just scratching your nose? Um, sometimes Shogun would talk about like a hot boredom or a cool boredom. He did. Is there a, a way to relate to a, a cool or a soft motivation? Any of these motivations, if you set up the form, uh, the form is, is, is tight. It's, this is when it starts, this is when it ends. But then the way to approach the form is to observe it. That's the soft part. That's not generally taught. At least I was never taught that. I had to see it myself. The soft part is don't obey anything. But set up the form and then watch how your own wisdom mind will, will relate to that because your wisdom mind and your samsaric or everyday grasping mind are not two separate things. They just look like it. So pay, be respectful to your mind stream. I sometimes say, I'm saying right now, be, be respectful of other people's confusion. And you, in order to do that, in order to help somebody, you're gonna to have to respect their confusion. This doesn't mean obey them, but be respectful of what they're dealing with. And the way you do that is you're respectful of your own confusion. Stop trying to fix yourself based on relative to your success and failure. I'm okay now. Uh, I was in terrible shape, but now that I meditated, I'm more happy. More. Further questions? Thank you. Thank you, Bowing. When we are feeling motivated to do other things, um, particularly while living here, um, like other activities, there's a, a sense of guilt that comes with that. Mm -hmm. um, is there something just look at it. to do? Just look at it. Like someone just recently um, who lives here as a monastery resident, has been here for years. Um, just left, and she's probably watching, to go to another state for two weeks. All she had to do is say, uh, she had to ask, but I never tell anybody no. We haven't noticed, but I, you have to, it's a monastery. I'm the abbot, so you have to ask. So you have to go through that. You have to come up and say, say, I want to go and visit so-and-so, or I need to go here or go there. Is that okay? I mean, you wouldn't have to say that. You could just say, I'm going there. But something about that changes. Something about that changes. It's like somebody has to oversee this situation. Otherwise, it starts to come apart. That does not mean that they're a dictator. So the guilt that comes up is it gives you the opportunity to see that. Don't get rid of guilt. Witness it. See it. Realize what it is, but don't push it away. Just like if you notice that you're fluffing things up or you're full of pride, don't get rid of pride. You're not going to be able to help, be able to help people if you suddenly uh, uh, have improved yourself so much that you're sort of very uncomfortable to be, even be around you. So perfect. 
So the guilt is fine. Just just feel the guilt. If you if you don't do anything with guilt, if you don't push it down. If you don't fluff it up, I mean, ignore it. And if you don't fluff it up by trying to explain why it's happening, even if why it is happening could be attributed to the way you were treated when you were 12 years old or something that you went through or to a, a, anything, even including some kind of a past life, a situation that you might have access to through, through yourself or through uh, some other situation. Causes and conditions are there, but they're unreal. So therefore, you have to look at them and you have to be responsible for them in that you respond to them, but no blame, no blame. If there's any kind of blaming, then that's when the guilt starts to arise. So that the, the thing to do there is rather than try to get rid of the guilt, see if you can retract the blame. That might come back a little bit, but guilt is already, it's a done deal. It's already guilt and it already sucks. And the ego loves that because this means well, if I'm the one that's guilty, then I'm, it's not, it's not going to be very obvious that I'm unreal. That ego is an illusion because if ego feels guilty, then it, it gets that kind of negative credential, which causes it to keep going, keep doing bad things to feel guilty. Notice that? No, you don't. You don't see that, do you? <laughs> do you? Oh, what a good answer. It's one of my favorite answers. What would you doubt? I don't know. Yes, sir. Sure, bowing. When our motivation is more apparent, um, is there anything we can do with it for the next time it kind of goes away? Give me an example. So my friend just passed away and yeah. it's really obvious that I should be practicing right now, but it's not as obvious. A year from now, it might just something like that might not be showing up. It's just, yeah, there's no way. There's no way you can. You know, we're, we've already done quite a bit of creating something, which you're totally involved in. We're creating a a mandala, an actual structure in the middle of a an insane state, country, world uh, that is focused on what? Not controlling anybody but just training our minds to see clearly so that when, when this body-mind complex goes back into the ashes, regardless of Buddhism or anything else, even though that teaching, we need that, it's just that, that you can't take anything with you. Nothing goes with you there. So just do the best you can. As far as seeing uh, that it can come back again, just watch what moves. It, come, it needs to come back at will. If you do anything with it, uh, then it tends to hang around in a sense that's not particularly true. It's somewhat circular. So therefore, you we can end up hiding out from ourselves again. More? Sure, yeah. What What's being suggested when we are told to flash on our original inspiration? Yeah, just to get, just to realize that this started somewhere. It started, you came into this monastery several years ago. And you made a connection with not only the, with the monastery, but with me, and that was uh, strong. And so now when you uh, go down the, and now you're a monk. And so as you go along at some point, you, it might look kind of uh, difficult and just return to that original inspiration. More? Pretty obvious, isn't it? What are you asking such a dumb question? 
Even Christopher thinks that's funny. Go ahead. Questions from YouTube. Go ahead. This is from Spoolstring. Spoolstring. He's the one who is a yeah, that guy, person. You say hello. Why do people self-delude sometimes? This is why I practice to not become someone who continues to self-delude even in a tiny amount. Why do they do it? Fear. Basically. I mean, we could go into all kinds of uh, structures around that, but it basically it's fear of fear of death. Uh, and the other kinds of death are like if somebody criticizes you about something, something you've done, your reputation goes to hell, uh, people um, gossip about you, about things that are not true, and just all kinds of little mini deaths everywhere that destroy what that is that you think you are. You, you think you are someone who can be affected. If you see who you are, nothing can harm you. Even death can't find you because who you are can't die. It's never been born. We're not talking about this voice or your voice or anything. Those are all aspects of the relative truth and they're they show up and they go away but as far as your question we delude ourselves because we're afraid to go towards that area where it is ultimate truth because the relative identity that is always in, in some kind of delusion or operation of delusion that you're asking about we would rather be deluded or we would rather be the person that's getting rid of delusion. Like you just characterize yourself as always trying to, how do you say it? I assume it's a he, I have no idea. It could be a, uh, something else. This is why I practice to not become someone who continues to oh. self-delude. So trying to become someone who doesn't self-delude, you might start out with being the person who self-deludes. Just be who you just be genuine be who you are be the crap you're trying to get rid of because if you don't then it's there's some kind of a cover-up and it can get very sophisticated and you can look to other people like you're a saint because you're so good at covering up your own self-delusion and projecting yourself as a wonderful decent kind loving angelic being I'm not mocking you I'm just saying find out who you are no doubt so no matter what happens around you you are not uh Seduced by it. Yes. Another one from YouTube. This is from Jethro. Having a strong motivation to meditate can feel like it is creating a lot of movement in the mind. How can we keep our motivation gentle? Don't worry about it. Just get, it's very simple. Get to the cushion, sit down, hold still, train your mind. Whatever kind of meditation you're doing. Strike a bell, right, but don't worry about gentle or weak or strong or about how particular kinds of meditation. If the idea isn't to, the idea of meditation isn't to do it a certain way, although there are teachings and teachers that for centuries have taught this different ways. I was taught differently than I teach now, quite a bit differently. And it's not wrong. You could go do that. Plenty of people teaching that still. But what I teach is just uh, sit down and hold still. And watch the movement and that for each person that's going to show up differently some people it shows up um you know, it's very difficult to do some people it's very relaxing some people it's 
It's way too easy initially. Well, first couple of years. This takes a long time. Uh, so it looks over here. More? This question, I guess. You know? Q and um, Is or does willpower hinder motivation? Um, Willpower. Willpower. What do you mean by willpower? Human bowing. Stubborn attention to push something over. Stubbornness and willing to do or get something. It's, you know, a little bit of that kind of energy. You know, it's again the middle middle way. Not too tight, not too loose. So a little bit of pushing is good to just find out what you're dealing to, dealing with. But if you notice that isn't helping too much, you might want to back off and look at that for a while. So there's no there's no flat formula that is going to that's going to fit everybody's uh, situation. The important thing, the simplest thing, way to put it is hold still, find a place. Could be a monastery, could be a meditation room, could be your bedroom, could be your back porch. Sit down, hold very still. All the senses open, and the attitude is just receive whatever shows up in the life stream, on the porch, or down the hallway, or in your mind, and just receive it. Receive, receive, receive. And with as little comment as possible so that you can see more deeply what it is that your mind is producing over and over and over to protect the, the, the illusion of a separate self that is tied in with a body-mind complex that looks real. So go ahead. So go ahead. Is, does it matter if our motivation is kind of like guilt or to reduce our suffering as long as it gets us to the cushion? I think it's just important to get to the cushion. And that's going to show up differently for everyone. So it could, could show up like that. But if, you, if things occur and occur and occur, and you do nothing with them, they change of their own. The things that seem to continue to to solidify or become over and over and over and never go away are the things we fight with. They tend to fight back for position. More. If guilt gets you the cushion, then be guilty. <laughs> so, I, I mean, it's... I'm not encouraging that necessarily. I'm saying if that's what's happening, if, if, if some, something like that is happening, then maybe you need to do that for a while. I don't know. I, would, I wouldn't stop it. Stopping or starting anything is not necessary. Yes. So, Gwambai, is that something we should look at on the cushion, like what our motivation is? On the cushion, just receive. If you want to contemplate something, get a legal pad, write it all out there, and sit there and just think about it all you want. And you can do that on the cushion. Might not be good to do it in the zendo because then somebody new comes in, thinks, "Oh my God, I forgot my legal path." You know, and they think that that's what you're supposed to do in here. And what you're supposed to do in here is wall gaze. This doesn't mean you couldn't have a notepad there where you wrote down something on occasion. Although Trump Rinpoche wouldn't let Allen Ginsberg do that, and he was a poet. He had to go into retreat. Can I write down the no? Now, I wasn't there, so I didn't hear him use that tone of voice, but 
I'm probably pretty sure he was pretty definite about no. Right later, meditate. <laughs> that was a retreat in 1975, I think. Maybe before then at Shambhala Mountain or Rocky Mountain Dharma Center. Anyone on uh, Zoom out there that has a question that would like to ask a question? Okay. I was on Bowen. You talked about your original motivation, and maybe it was to stop suffering or to see the truth or to be enlightened, whatever that is. And it may be our idea about that changes as we go. And you say sometimes the path gets more difficult. So if you don't if you feel kind of blah or, or unmotivated, is there any way to kind of liven that up? You mean de blah? <laughs> huh? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and I, I, I don't know the, if this would, would apply to you because you're already, you've, you're away from the monastery now and you were here for several months and now you're up in Traverse City and you're working. I mean, how many hours a week are you working? Well, uh, 36. Yeah, full time. So I wouldn't worry about it too much. Uh, when I say don't worry about it, not that you're worrying now, but I would say, don't worry, just do, do the work that you're doing so that at some point you can return here and practice more intensely, go, go into retreat or whatever you need to do. and. Uh, just just work with it as it is rather than some kind of trying to get yourself to feel less blah the blah is actually wisdom it just doesn't look like it there isn't anything but wisdom so i would say just just continue of course you're you still you look you're here you came to this dharma talk and you i presume you still meditate some every day isn't that true a little bit yes you better say yes. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, go ahead, John. Question here. Um, so this question may have been asked and, and perhaps I didn't uh, catch it. Um, but is there an implicit um, something assumed in the in the issue of motivation? Because what occurs to me is motivation for what? What exactly? Motivation for what? And everybody's what may be different. People may have different what's. Yeah. So is 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 it more the sense of so blah is kind of a somewhat generalized term, but motivation to sit, for example, or motivation to deepen one's practice. Um, does it matter what the what is in terms of? Uh, what works for motivation? I think you're right. Probably does. I mean, it would make uh, each each individual would have their own. That's why it's like one size doesn't fit all. I mean, there's a difference. So right. yeah, very very situational. I would think. Right. And with some people, it might be just making a note card and a reminder might be enough. And with some uh, another person, they might have to have a more a little bit more heavy handed approach to it if they were really depending on what the the outcome, uh, as you say, what it is you're looking to accomplish or do. If you're trying to increase your sitting practice, that might be one thing. But if you're trying to 
you know, if it has nothing to do particularly with a spiritual path, but has more to do with, uh, you know, studying, getting your diploma, getting your degree or something like that, or, or uh, any number of things. So yes, I think situationally it'd be very important to include that. So maybe some, some of the what of motivation um, might actually be questionable. For example, uh, if the motivation were to uh, not suffer anymore, Might you say that's a questionable objective? Yes. Yeah. I would. Yeah. Thank you. This is good. Thank you. As always, my friend. As always. Thank you. Thank you for your question comments. Were there any announce out there in Zoom land? I see a lot of names and I see a few faces, but I see a lot of People that are hiding behind a name. I hope it's your name. Chisho, Chisho, don't you have some kind of question that will put us all on the phone? I think Chisho's sleeping. Oh, oh. Is he somewhere there? I'm here, Chisho. There he is. <laughs> <laughs> getting a red t-shirt and I know you don't like red so I, thought no, I, I love red red's my favorite color <laughs> if, if, at some point we're all going to be sewing red robes <laughs> so we'll, we'll all look like the what are those women that wear the red white bonnets the handmade the handmade monks yeah used to be manufactured now they're handmade <laughs> Don't you dare laugh at that. Did you have a question? Did you? Okay, I'm gonna I'll take your question and in order and then I'm gonna take Chisho's question. So you, you go ahead with yours first, Don. Don Bang. Um a lot of my motivation is based in a fear of not being worthwhile. Yeah. And then bracketed by pride hanging around waiting for an accolade. Mm -hmm. Um how do I work with that as, as it is? You've described it perfectly. Just keep doing it as it is. Don't fix it. Don't laminate anything over it and just be responsible for they're your feelings and your emotions. And they're arising, uh, especially you've been practicing pretty heavily in here for the last, what, eight months or something like that, seven or eight months. Strong practice. So just continue. To just to be aware of that, uh, to be able to make a statement like that is a lot more than a lot of people can do. So uh, that's not a compliment. Sorry, I don't, like <laughs> I don't do much complimenting, but occasionally if I see somebody really, really, really having a hard time and and they're you know doing some trying to do something really, really well, and and then they're failing, and what they're failing at is mountain climbing. Yeah, then I might as they're falling on my compliment them on the way down. You did your very best. <laughs> Sorry, that's really, uh, what is that kind of humor is that? What's that called? Staccato. Huh? Staccato. 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 Oh. Staccato. Staccato. Okay, Chisho, come and get me. What do you got? Chisho bombing. Uh, on the topic of motivation, uh, I normally don't struggle with that. My issue is the opposite side, perhaps, that if I 
pick something up, then I am so like a dog with a bone. I'll just go after it. Um, so I'm just wondering if that is on the other side, if I need to soften up and examine that nature of just going after it. No, I wouldn't. Not, not the way I understand you or have been talking to you for a few years. I wouldn't say, I say your awareness of what is happening is much more valuable than uh, going away from the awareness into some kind of, you know, uh, microsurgery on your motivation and your, your, your passion, aggression, and ignorance. I'll do anything with it. It's, it's actually part of the Dharma to see that and not part of the Dharma necessarily to get rid of those things because the fundamental issue uh, is, is not getting rid of Paratantra or dependent origination, uh, but the fundamental issue is seeing through the identity, seeing that that which we thought was a real person, Shisho or Sogazan or anyone is unreal. It's not that you're not here, not that there isn't a voice happening, there isn't a gesture of a hand, but this is a complete illusion. And it is so incredibly, we have nerve endings, we have in all of our sense organs, we're, we're sensing all the objects, uh, taste, touch, hearing, smelling, seeing, thinking. We're being barraged by this, what, otherness, 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 that, 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 that. Constantly saying, you're somebody. It's not saying it, but just everything that happens, you're just reaffirming, reaffirming thoughts, reaffirming a thinker, tastes, reaffirming a taster, uh, sounds, reaffirming a hearer. It's just an intense barrage of otherness that is coming through our mind stream as living beings. So we're not saying you aren't a living being to some extent, but your fundamental nature transcends all of this. Who you are is uncreated. It can't be destroyed. And if you can change your allegiance, so to speak, just a way of talking about it over from the intense grasping at a self who needs fixing, a self who needs praising, a self who needs, that's why you don't need to get rid of that. You don't, I don't want you to solve your problems through twisting and tangling and kind of uh, squeezing happiness out of relative truth. It's not going to happen. Life is suffering. The, bull, the, the Buddha was not lying to us. It was not, uh, uh, it was not exaggerating. Life is intense suffering. And we're not saying that the nerve endings don't also uh, receive pleasure, but pleasure and pain are not separated from each other by it very much. So just whatever arises, just observe and occasionally see. See, is there is there an observer? Is there is there a think? Is there someone thinking? I'm not saying there aren't thoughts. Simple thoughts, complicated thoughts, passionate thoughts. Jealous thoughts, thoughts of fear, hope and fear, hope and fear. But is there a hoper? Is there someone who is someone who's afraid? Or is there just fear? Find out. Find out. I'll help you by I'll help you uh, as I am endeavoring to do now. Further questions? Sir. Some questions from YouTube. Spool string follows up. I just figured out that I cannot practice to become a person, correct? Sounds like a trick question. <laughs> That's spool string. Okay. 
the way I, I'm trying to just understand the question, the way it was uh, placed, and I would say, no, probably not. I think there's more there, but I, I, I can't elaborate on something based on my, uh, based on uh, uh, speculation coming from me. I don't want to do that. So based on what you're asking, I would say no. Question from Vishal. Is the crazy eye movement in Shikantaza related to eye movement desensitization and reprocessing EMDR therapy? All that is related. Every, every single bit of every movement I make with my hand, every movement I make with my eyes, everything is interrelated. There, is no separate, there are no separate things anywhere. And the process of looking at that can be a long journey up a tall mountain. But if you just understand it is what it is basically, then you don't see anything else. And that's why uh, uh, things like, uh, well, brain spotting is the one that uh, uh, sent you as a therapist is something that she uses a technique in her uh, practice. Is that, is that somehow, is that valid? Some, of course it's valid just like the one that is being mentioned there. Everything is valid in that, in that everything is interconnected in different ways. That's why you can, if you, uh, you know, heaven forbid that you do this, but if you get into astrology, you can spend the rest of your life because it's, it's a centuries and centuries and centuries old science of watching cycles and coming to conclusions about the cycles. And that's why it appears, capital A there, appears to work. Does it work? I don't know. Study it for 30 years. You tell me. I did. So everything, everything can find some kind of a place. If it's there, it's a cyclic movement. Uh, it's a movement of consciousness. Uh, you, there's, I mean, we could just go into aromatherapy. I mean, there's just all kinds of conjecture and ideas. Are they correct, incorrect? It doesn't matter. They're doing that. They're taking some aspect of the relative world and showing how nothing is separate from anything else. Just a way of doing it. It's very exciting to me that, that the world is fundamentally coming apart. Big chunks of truth dropping off everywhere. Into what? Find out. Find out who you, find out who you are. So there's no so there's no more questions. So you absolutely know, you know who you are so clearly that you can't be threatened by anything. I'm not saying that going to the dentist is going to be fun. I'm taking it that far. That's where we're going tomorrow. That's why I say that. But it will. But you might have at the same time you have some pain. You might have some curiosity about what that. What is that? What is pain? What is what is extreme uh, difficulty? just on the nerve endings, let alone the psychological states that arise of pain or suffering that we, we need to immediately name, oh, that's depression. 15 people all calling something depression are, you know, it's like being in a zoo and everything's a mouse. Not true. That, that, is, a, a, that is an endeavor to control and feel safe in any kind of a milieu that you happen to be in, to name things. That's why we haven't, every time we tell Rumi, our youngest monk here, we change the name of things over and over again. As soon as it's a truck, 
So there's a truck. Aren't you calling that? No, that's not a truck. That's a taxi. No, it's not a taxi. That's a tractor. I hope you're doing that. I can't remember if you're following my suggestion or not. I'm just kidding here. <laughs> I'm not saying this to Rumi's mom and dad. I wouldn't do that, but it'd be fun, wouldn't it? <laughs> I did do that with my children. That's why they're all in the locked up. <laughs> I mean, in their mind. In their mind. Not locked up in prison. Well, one, one of them isn't, isn't so locked up. but They aren't listening, so I'm not concerned at all. <laughs> they don't listen to my talk. Were you scratching your eye or was that okay? Any any further questions up here? What is this basically? What is what? This. An illusion. This is an illusion. It's basically an illusion. You want more basic? <laughs> Buddha. It's awake. Nothing sleeps anywhere. Never has. It's fundamentally awake. But as long as you or me or any of us are tied up in the singularity, the particularity of any one thing, then you ignore everything. When I say that you ignore, it's not an accusation, not a condemnation, but you only are aware of what you're after or what you're trying to stop, what you're trying to figure out or what you're trying to ignore. There's all those polarities. But if you're, if you're not interested in anything, then everything is available and you don't see anything else but this. And it is an illusion. But then in its fundamental nature, it's a, the relative situation is illusory. But the ultimate situation, there isn't anything happening. There isn't anything. More? Do you mind? Go ahead. How do we see that? Look at the illusion. Look at the movement. Sit down, hold still, and just whatever shows up, no matter what kind of garbage tumbles out of your mind stream, that, that will, will threaten ego and think, oh, I think I'm going backwards because I'm, I'm starting to see whatever, murders or some kind of negativity you didn't think was there starts to arise from the backwaters of your mind because you're sitting and you're observing, you're observing, you're observing, you're receiving, you're receiving ultimate generosity, giving everything your attention. Everything is welcome. Eventually that kind of uh, gobbledygook or whatever you want to call it starts to surface. And the mind that is uh, is intent upon uh, saving all beings is unmoved because there's there, the, the intention is so firm, and that uh, intention is firm when we see that there's no self in the skandhas. Form, feeling, perception, concept, con consciousness does not add up to someone going somewhere. Is that intention being firm a conclusion? Is the intention what? Being firm a conclusion? No. No, it's, you just see what it is. It's choiceless. The, the tendency of the self to include itself in that kind of thing, uh, it starts to come apart, and it comes apart in the way uh, that it does when it sees that it's, it is unreal itself. But there's still something there, but it's unreal. Sometimes I call it a clown. Uh, sometimes the Trump Rinpoche called it a, a fool. I uh, said, if you, if you realize you're a fool, then nobody can make a fool of you because you're already a fool. Clown on the roof, unreal. And yet not separate from anything. More. 
keeping in mind? How do we not function out of the ego? Just see see that you're functioning out of the ego. See that you're functioning out of a self-centeredness and don't correct it. Let it collapse on its own. Have some have some uh, fancy word would be some humility rather than pride about getting rid of the ego. Be the, the situation you're endeavoring to get rid of. Because if you try to polish it up and be, it'll always be halfway measures. You'll be kind of okay and kind of better and kind of enlightened or kind of, kind of, kind of. And uh, you can't you can't save all beings if you're somehow uh, polishing your own uh, countenance or whatever it may be. Go ahead. Is, is trying to polish our ego just another thing to look at? So, is there anything to do with that? Is that just another just, facet of functioning? Yeah, yeah, just look at it. Don't don't fix. Don't repair. Don't move back. Don't move ahead. Don't don't do anything unless it's something where sometimes I say, step back a quarter of an inch when you're getting too embroiled in the soap opera of your mind. And you've gotten up out of the front row seat and suddenly you're you're one of the actors in the scene in the this uh, Shakespearean uh, tragedy or whatever it is. Then you know back up and you might find find out you don't have to back up much much before you're actually in the front row seat. You're no longer an actor and you're watching your own mind stream play out the scenario. And you don't leave the theater. We're not talking about that kind of ignorance, but you stay there and just observe the movement to use that kind of a image or a metaphor. And, and nothing will be solved by it because the whole idea of solution is a relative, that's relative statement, solution. As Kobanchino said when he translated the Heart Sutra, Gate uh, Gate Para Gate Para Sangrate Bodhisattva, translated in, from the Sanskrit as gone, gone, gone beyond, gone completely beyond, awake, or so be it. And his translation was falling apart, falling apart, falling apart. Nothing to do, everything all at once. So the idea there is your whole idea of the world just falls apart. This comes apart yourself. You come apart. Everything. There's no no solidity or believability to anything. Falling apart. Falling apart. And as that's happening, it can be difficult without some kind of a structure, a teacher, a teaching, and a community. And then everything all at once. There's nothing to do. There's 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 nothing to do. Nowhere to go. Nothing to do. Everything all at once. Uh, time and space have gone. They're still there relatively, but you're no longer you're no longer looking at this relatively. Relatively, you're looking at it ultimately, which goes beyond time and space. A relative way of stating it, of course. See how I caught that before somebody else accused me of something. <laughs> Wait a minute. So, Kazan, I heard you make a statement. Choro. Um, Vishal asks, sitting in Seiza on a stool versus cross-legged to look at the wall, any preferences for Shikantaza? No, not at all. And I would say this for everybody. The main thing about Shikantaza is hold still and not maintain it. Now, hold still 
I mean, hold still for 10 minutes, 10 seconds or something, some kind of time. And then, then if your body starts to give you trouble, then relate to the body, stretch or move back or shift your weight or whatever, and then return to stillness, just return to stillness, return to stillness and just return, but don't maintain that. At some point you will, you will, it's no guarantee, but probably find yourself sitting there for maybe even hours at a time, depending on your particular body and your, how your joints work when you're in your forties or thirties or whatever. So, but it's not, not about maintaining it. It's about returning to it so that you're reaffirming it, reaffirming it, return to beginner's mind, beginner's mind, beginner's mind, start over, start over, start over. But sitting on a stool is fine. Um, some people wouldn't agree, but I don't mind. If you need to lean back in a chair, lean back. I lean back in this chair. Uh, also, I'm old. I'm falling apart, falling apart, falling apart. <laughs> <laughs> that darn Coven. <clears throat> so see us sit on a stool, hold still, try to sit. I feel it's good to sit as symmetrical as possible. If your body will let you do that. Some people will sit. You know, some people uh, have a more of a curve, like Juzan has more of a curved back. I, don't correct anyone's posture, please. Please don't do that. It's not your body. Keep your hands off other people's bodies. Uh, unless somebody asks you, can you help me with that? Then you might want to do it. But uh, anytime anyone is uh, sitting, they should be respected. I don't think I've ever corrected anybody's posture in here in many, many years, even though I had mine corrected hundreds of times. People are always saying, straighten up, your back is curved. So, yep, I know. Working on it. Well, I think we've had about enough of this. <laughs> you know, retire and move to Cleveland. Nah, let's stay right here, okay? This is a good place. So, now we'll dedicate the merit. To do whatever we're gonna do next. Thank you for all of your questions. Very helpful to me to, and to everyone else. May the merit of this penetrate into all places so that we and every sentient being together can realize the Buddha's way. Bodhisattvas, Mahasattvas, the great Prajna Paramita. O Buddhas and Bodhisattvas of the Ten Directions and the Three Times, please hear us. Please come down out of the light and protect Sokoboji, Buddhist Temple Monastery, our Sangha, families, friends, and visitors. Heal everyone who is unhappy, sick, or suffering, and build on the fight. If you value the teachings of Sokozan, and you would like to support his teaching work and the functions of Sokukoji Buddhist Temple Monastery, which also supports monk and practice residents, 
please consider giving a donation by visiting our website at sokukoji.org.